Well, we are um, concluding our message series this morning called Go Fish. And the metaphor that we're using this series comes from Jesus' words when he called Peter, James, and John and invited them to come follow him and I'll show you how to fish for people. Called them away from their nets, uh, fishing for fish, to come and learn how to make disciples. And so in this series, we've been looking at some ways that we can learn from Jesus and his disciples on how to help people come to faith in Jesus Christ and to get connected to the church. So the first week we talked about the necessity of prayer, that God is the one that draws people to himself, and we need to be in prayer, that God would be drawing people to himself through us. And several of you signed up to be praying throughout the series for some people in your life that you know that don't yet have a relationship with Christ. I encourage you to continue doing that over the course of the next week as well. And then last week we talked about the importance of invitation. Uh, statistics show that 80% of people that walk into the church for the first time come because they were invited by somebody. And Jesus was the master of invitation. He was the one that would call them and say, come and follow me. His disciples did the same thing. They would say, come and see. And invitation is important, just as important today as it was then. And today I want to talk about the power of story. The power of stories. Stories are powerful, aren't they? I mean, you go to the movie and you find yourself in tears just watching somebody else's, else's story, even if it's made up, right? But... They move us. Stories move us. And they invite us to experience what the other person is experiencing. And they also ignite hope in us. And, you know, we live in an age of skepticism when many people aren't sure if they believe in God at all. Some people uh, say they don't believe in God at all, but yet they get angry with him when things go bad in their life. And, and there's just a lot of um, uncertainty about if there is a God. And yet, if we have a compelling story, and we can tell and talk about what God is doing in our life, then that gives people reason to hope. Not only that there is a God who exists, but this God is active in people's lives. That he makes a difference, that he can change situations and people, and our, uh, even our stories. So, Jesus knew the power of story. And he leveraged it for the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at a story this morning in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. It's a story that I have not um, preached in the, the 18 years that I've been in ministry. Uh, it's the story of a man who was uh, possessed by a legion of demons. So you can see kind of why I haven't gone there before. But uh, it's fitting for this morning's message. And uh, if you want to turn with me. It's in Luke 8, and we're starting in verse uh, 26. It says, They, uh, being Jesus and his disciples, sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. And this region was a region of like ten towns. And when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. And for a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, he had lived in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. 
Now, if I had known Tim was going to be here, or you know, uh, I, he would have done maybe shouted at the top of your voice. I'm not that theatrical, so <clears throat> so uh, you're not getting that from me. But but you can imagine this was a tense scene. Uh, here comes this crazy man with no clothes, and he's shouting at the top of his voice. Uh, asking Jesus, what do you want with me? You know, begging him. And for Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. And many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and been driven out by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. So this is like the height of chaos here. I mean, here's this guy screaming, uh, begging him not to uh, torture them, don't send me into the abyss, and, and uh, let me go into those pigs over there. And now this large herd of pigs goes careening over a cliff, squealing all the way, you know. It's just a chaotic mess. And so <clears throat> the, it says that the herdsmen, the people who were tending the pigs, saw what was happening, they ran off and reported this to the townspeople and the countryside, and the people came out to see what had happened. But when they got there, a very different picture, when they came, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. And then all the people of the region, the Gerasenes, asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus sends this nameless man to tell others what God has done for them. Go tell your story. And you can imagine the people in the town. I mean, if there was a person like this in Bellevue, everyone would know about it, right? A guy who lives in the graveyard with no clothes on and you're afraid to go take flowers to put on your loved one's grave because there's this crazy, demonic man in the graveyard. And they apparently, at some time in town, tried to keep him uh, in chains so that he could be there in the town or to keep him away from people, I don't know, but they had been unable to do that. And so here comes this man now, completely set free of all that in his right mind. Imagine the impact that that would have in that area, to, have, to know the before and to see the, be af- the, the after 
of what happens when Jesus touches a person's life. He's reappeared in the, clo- in the town fully clothed. Though the contrast between what he was before and after um, is definitely not going to be as drastic for us, right? Hopefully. Uh, to know Jesus Christ is to be transformed, to have your life changed. That's what this song is talking about. I once was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. That's what the scriptures is talking about. I was dead, and now I'm alive. It's this before and after picture that Jesus calls us to be witnesses to. Jesus calls us to tell our story. Uh, look at Acts 1.8. This is our memory verse this week, so... <clears throat> Let's read it together. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8 So the primary work, the primary assignment or expectation that Jesus had of his followers was that they would be what? Witnesses, right? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and that that happens when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he sends his Holy Spirit to live in you. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, then you'll be my witnesses. What's a witness? Huh? Okay. Somebody sees something, experiences something, and they speak out about it, right? They tell others about it. Uh, sometimes it's by request of the courts or whatever, but you come and you witness to what you've seen, what you have experienced, right? That's what a witness does. They testify to something that's happened to them. And Jesus told his disciples, go and tell others what you've seen. Now, what had they seen? They had seen Jesus beaten, crucified, put in a tomb dead, right? And then, three days later, they saw him raised to life again. He was alive. And he said, go and tell others what you've seen and what you've experienced. Because I live, you can live also. That's what Jesus said. So that was the message that he sent them out with, and it changed the world. And if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you too have a story to share. What, what we see in the gospel and what we see in the book of Acts is when people tell their story, lives get changed, right? People come into the kingdom of God. So the question this morning then is, how can we be better prepared to tell our story? So in your message notes, if you want to look at uh, some steps there, the first is to recognize the power of story. God uses people uses our stories to help people get connected to Jesus Christ and to a church. Um, I was reminded of the power of story this morning when we were at Baseline. They had the Thurstons there uh, doing a concert this morning. And I'm not a country western (laughs) person at all. But when it got to the story part, it didn't matter what your music preferences are, when he started talking about having the rug pulled out from under him, 
That's something that everybody can relate to. We all know what it feels like to have the rug pulled out from under us. And then he went on to talk about how Jesus Christ, in the midst of that, helped him to stand. How he helped, gave him the strength to overcome it. And, and so when we hear people's stories, we have that hope that if God can do that in that person's life, he can do it in my life also. So we need to recognize the power of story. And then the second thing um, we need to do is to have a story. <laughs> to tell a story, you have to have a story, right? When I was uh, 16 years old, a group of people came to our church for what was called a lay witness mission. And um, this was uh, something that was very powerful movement in the 70s. And I've talked about this before, but it came to mind again this week because the lay witness mission or movement was all about lay people telling their stories. They would come into another church and they would share what Jesus was doing in their life. And they weren't professionals, they were laity. The very definition of laity is this, ordinary people, as distinct from professionals, experts. So these were ordinary people like you or I who longed to have a place, a venue, or a, a ability to go out and tell their story to other people. And the way this worked was uh, lay people from all over the state would travel to a church where this mission had been organized for the weekend. They would stay there on the weekend with people and stay in homes for the weekend they would have worship services in the evening in small groups off and on throughout the weekend. And, um, and at these worship services, uh, during the service, they'd sing some music, and then the coordinator would get up, and he would just call on one of the witnesses. They didn't know if they were going to be called on that weekend or not, but they were ready to share what Jesus was doing in their life. They had a story. And uh, that's what the movement was all about. And the stories were powerful because they connected with people. And people would believe that if God can work in that way in that person's life, he might be able to work in my life as well. Well, my parents were very active in the church all the time while I was growing up. And so we were required to be in church on Sunday morning. If you weren't in church on Sunday, uh, you might as well hang, you know, forget about football games or dances or anything else because it's not going to happen. So on that particular weekend, I managed to get out of all of the uh, services all weekend long. I, I really wasn't interested in it. But on Sunday, I knew, you know, if I'm going to go anywhere else this week, I've got to be in church on Sunday morning. And so these people were sharing their stories, and then at the end of the uh, service they offered the opportunity to come to the altar and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, my brother and my dad went, and I knew that something significant was happening, but I hadn't been there enough that weekend to really understand it. And then after the service, uh, they had a luncheon, and then after that, the coordinator uh, said, if there's anybody here that would like to go to another church and tell what Jesus is doing in your life, then you can sign up to do that. Well, there were a couple of really good-looking guys on the lay witness team, and I didn't know about following Jesus, but I was interested in getting to know them better. So I signed up for that. 
Uh, I was going to go as a witness, right? And uh, so I got an invitation, went about a month later to a, a church in Benton Harbor, and, and on this team of people who were sharing what Jesus was doing in their life. And on the very first night, uh, we had the worship service, and then we got into smaller groups, and the person that was leading our group turned to me and said, um, why don't you tell what Jesus is doing in your life? And I had no story. <laughs> I had no idea. What, I didn't know Jesus could do something in your life. I, I had never heard, even though I had grown up in the church, I had never heard in um, a way that I understood that God loved me, that Jesus wanted to have a relationship with me, that, that Jesus had died on the cross for my sins. I had never heard that you could pray to Jesus and, and have that ongoing relationship where he was at work in your life and you would see him guiding you and leading you and teaching you. I had never heard that. And so I said, uh, this is my first one. I'd rather not speak. But then the next morning I listened to people's stories and they were talking about a Jesus who was alive. Who, who they were relating to and, and praying to, and he was at work in their lives. And so um, at lunch, we had, there's a lunch break, and during the afternoon break, there was a group of us that got together in a circle, and they were praying that people would come to know Jesus Christ that weekend. And as they prayed, I gave my life to Jesus Christ because I understood for the first time that uh, he wanted my story to intersect with that bigger story of God and his redeeming love and his son, Jesus Christ. And so um, i that's where it all started for me, was realizing that I didn't have a story and, and listening to these other people's stories and understanding uh, how much Jesus meant to them and that he could mean that to me too. So the first thing, the second thing you have to do is have a story. And, you know, I wonder this morning if I were to point to one of you this morning, Louise, or you know, I see people getting nervous now, you know, Forrest is holding up a mic back there. Do you know what your story is? Do you have a story? Uh, maybe like me, you, you never even realize that Jesus, you know, it's more about, more than just going to church. It's about having that relationship with Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with him. Uh, maybe you haven't really thought about, you know, I have that relationship with Jesus, but I don't really think much about what is he doing in my life right now? How am I making myself available to him? Uh, what kind of a witness do I have with my life and my, with my, my words? Every follower of Jesus Christ should be able to identify what Jesus is doing right now in their life, how he's using you in the kingdom of God, how he's answering prayers, uh, how he's maybe seeing you through when, he's, when it seems like he's not answering prayers. Um, the man that Jesus set free, he went out and he told his story, right? And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a story to tell. What is it? So the third thing is uh, we need to know, know what your story is. Know your story. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer 
to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That's so important, isn't it? We don't want to push our story on anyone. But always be ready to give an answer if somebody asks you. Now, how, how come you can be so happy in the midst of this? How, can, how did you endure the kinds of things that you've endured and gone through and you're still sitting in church on Sunday morning, Katie? God is good, isn't he? He gives us that strength, and that's part of our story when we can recognize God's activity in our life. So we need to know our story, and Bill Hybels in his book, Just Walk Across the Room, he says that one of the best ways to kind of get your mind around what your story is is to answer these three uh, short questions. The first is, what was your life like before you met Jesus? So for the demoniac, you know, he's like, I used to run around naked in the uh, graveyard and uh, lived all alone. I didn't have a home. I was homeless, you know, that kind of thing. Right? What was your life like before you met Jesus? Maybe it was just empty. Maybe you were unaware. Maybe you hit bottom. Uh, Maybe you were just trying to live life for yourself didn't really realize God loved you, kind of like me. All right, and then the second one is, how did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? So what was your life like before? How did you come to faith in Christ? Kind of like this story I just told. What was it that God used? Was it a sermon? Was it a a book that you read? Was it somebody that spoke into your life? Was it a life that you saw? Did you hit bottom and then turn to God? How was it? that you came to faith in Jesus Christ. That's, this, that's part of your story. And then the third question is, what is your life like now? What difference has Jesus made? Can you talk about the difference that Jesus is making in your life? That's all part of your story too. Uh, how is he helping you right now through what you're going through, Harry? <laughs> yeah. Jesus is uh, at work in your life. I see it. And he's at work in every person's life. We just have to take the time to recognize where he's at work and what he's doing in our lives. So then once you know your story, the next step then is to be willing to share your story. Be willing to tell. Be willing to go. Be willing to be sent. And you know, we don't often have that opportunity to sit down with somebody and tell them the whole story of how you came to faith in Christ. But... Um, when you recognize how God is working in your current circumstances, then you'll be surprised how often God will open up doors for you to just insert in someone's life a little of your story that will help them draw closer to God or help them have the courage that they need or the encouragement that they need right now. So maybe you've suffered a loss. And then if you recognize what God was doing in that, how he helped you through it, and you meet somebody that is going through a loss, then you can tell a little bit of your story and say, here's how Jesus worked in my life at that time. Or when you're going through an illness or a disease, if you can see God at work in all those things, then those are opportunities that will come up to share your story with others. And you know, we have the most wonderful story of all to tell, don't we? We do. It's... It's just the story of this glorious, wonderful God who gave his only son for us, who came and died on the cross for us so that we could have life 
And it's a different kind of life. It's a life full of hope, a life full of meaning and purpose. And that's the story that we have to share with others. And, I, and I'm praying and hoping that you'll get better at it and that I'll get better at it so that we can have a bigger impact in our area. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for the ways that you've been at work in our lives and in our congregations for the strength that you've given us, the hope that's ours in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I, I ask that you would give us the courage that we need to tell it more, more frequently, God, so that others can know you, others can have hope, and that we can be that messenger, God, that, that witness that they're needing at just the right moment so that they can put their faith in you. We thank you for this church, Lord, and the witness that it's had in this community for many, many years, and we pray that you'll help us to be effective in that as we move into the years ahead. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're... Um,